Welcome to What's New, the only podcast that's going to tell you all about what's new at Southern New Hampshire University. My name is Nick Klotz, and I'm editor-in-chief of the Penman Press. I'm Nikki Finn, and I am also editor-in-chief of the Penman Press. My name is Eli Hark, and I don't really know what I do on the press. What do you... What do you mean? You make videos. <laughs> oh, man, I guess that's true. I make some videos. I make some I mess around with the podcast stuff if I can, you know. <laughs> and I'm Maddie and I'm the community relations manager for the Pemon Press. So I'm getting my wisdom teeth out this week, guys. <laughs> oh, you excited? <laughs> no, I'm terrified to get mine out. It's really not that bad. Show show of voices, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Who's still waiting to get theirs out? Yeah, I haven't got mine out. Me too. Ugh. I'm not gonna. Okay, thanks. Real it. reassuring. I'm probably gonna regret saying this, but how'd it go, Maddie? I mean, you're still here. You know, it it really wasn't that bad. I mean, at first it was terrifying because they're like, "All right, start counting backwards," and that scene from a horror movie just happens where your eyes start to roll back. But um, no, I think the only really bad part about it was when I came to afterwards. I really wanted to see my teeth. <laughs> really badly. Why? I, <laughs> what I, would make you I want that? I was curious. I wanted to see what was coming out of my head. Yeah, I, I would. Want- I, I think I kind of would be too after, you know, like it's done. It's not like they can do anything at that point. Exactly. And like before I went under, they said that I could keep the teeth. So I was pretty excited. And they didn't let you. No. So what happened? One more was- reason to hate dentists. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> So what happened was when I came to afterwards, I was asking the nurse to see my teeth and she said that she already showed them to me and I don't remember that. Hmm. So I I just remember I got really mad at her and I started like yelling at the lady to see my teeth. (laughs) And I don't remember any of this. My mom has a video somewhere, but it's just. It sounds like the video needs to go viral or something. I was hysterical in it. Like, I was crying. It was a mess. I don't know. I'm, I'm still apprehensive. What about you, Eli? I, I would not. I would not be putting. I would not be going near any dentist who's going to put you out, put their hands in your mouth. What happens if you're out? What you know, you just don't know. You never know. You've seen the movies. You've seen those crazy movies. Uh-huh. You never know. I don't know. I don't, can't think of any movies where there's somebody, there was a dentist putting his hands in your mouth, but I'm sure there's out there, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel the like horror scene, you know, just like one minute you're going to sleep so that they can take out your wisdom teeth. The next minute you wake up with like, feet yeah. hands. you wake up with hands all up in your mouth and you just can't do anything about it. Cause like they're already halfway done. What are you going to do? Sometimes I feel like my love for horror movies is like a downfall. And this is one of those times. I won't even be put under Novocaine when getting a small cavity filled. I'm terrified of going to the dentist for my wisdom teeth. It's you not know, happening. You know, I gotta ask, Nick, what are you so scared of? I don't know. I just hate dentists, man. <laughs> Why do you hate dentists? Well, when I was a kid, um, we went to this this dentist that was later shut down for fraud. Because they were that's always good. Yeah, they were they were filling filling cavities that didn't really actually exist for the insurance money. And um, I I suspect I was one of them because my mouth is just full of metal. Wow. My dentist one time told me I had seven different cavities and I said I'd come back and get them filled on a different day. And I came back and they said I had two. 
So that's sort of where my distrust in the dentist has come from. <laughs> yes, know, same, but we went to a different dentist the second time. <laughs> you know, that really makes me nervous now because I went to the dentist when I was younger. They told me I had 12 micro cavities. So now I just have a lot of metal in my mouth. Yeah, those are fake. My, uh, those are fake. Micro cavities. <laughs> what the hell's a micro cavity? It's, it's money like- in the bank for the dentist, apparently. <laughs> For how many generations were people having their wisdom teeth taken out before me? Not that many. Mm. That's all I'm saying. My mom doesn't have hers out. People survive. If people exactly. can survive with them in, then what's the point of getting them taken out and having a dentist teeth hands in your mouth? No <laughs> dentist teeth in your mouth. That'd be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> no dentist teeth in your mouth. Hey, stay tuned, because coming up, we're going to be talking with Karen Pincus, the head coach of the women's basketball team. Then... We're going to talk about the new Hellboy trailer that just dropped. This one's going to be a reboot. So we talk about if it looks like it's going to live up to the legacy of the original. But first, we have two guests from SNOO's new esports teams. And we're going to talk about what it's like to be the first in this new line of gamers at SNOO. This past year, Southern New Hampshire University launched its first esports program. It's competitive video game playing. And... Southern New Hampshire University is interesting because they're the first in New Hampshire to adopt it. I'm here with two of our esports players, as well as our reporter, Eli Hark. Uh, Hello, I'm John Stillman. I'm a student here at SNU. My major is accounting. My passion is video games. And what team do you play for, John? I play for League of Legends and I help coach the Hearthstone team. So I'm in 50% of the esports here. My name is Sutan Okter. I am also a student here. My major is business administration, and I play for the League of Legends team as well. My little description of esports. Was that accurate? I would say the nail base of it, yeah. It was pretty accurate, but a lot, a lot goes on into what esports is, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's hard to really to really put in put into words how much work it truly is for you guys because i mean saying you guys play video games competitively like i think most people are going to think that's a pretty casual thing to do you know you sit on the couch and you play xbox but like people people don't realize exactly the work that goes into it um could you guys talk a little bit about exactly what playing competitive esports looks like so you have a couple of things going on what you did for fun video games becomes a job so you have less fun but the competitive side that that drive to win increases you definitely it's transformative so it is way more work than it ever was before for me um and the time commitment is astronomical compared to even just last semester because we're in a conference now we're really pushing to win yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, the time allotted to it is a lot, right? Whatever you see a regular varsity sports team doing in college, we're doing it in, you know, our little room down in Stark. We um, we do video review. We do coaching sessions. We do scrimmages against other schools. Like yesterday, we played against Pikeville. We've played Dartmouth University in the past. We've played against Harvard University in the past. These are like just some schools that we've scouted, we've done the research on them, and we we know what we're going into beforehand, just like a football team would, just like a basketball team would. So something that you guys um you guys brought up was the time commitment that goes into it. 
How has your kind of work life balance been now that you have to now that you kind of have to play video games as a job? Work life balance is definitely cutting into my life a lot. I won't lie. For me, though, I I kind of expected it. It's a varsity program, and I knew that I was going to allot a lot of time to this. So I had to make that commitment of doing, you know, 15 hours a week of practice, because that's sometimes what we do. We do 15 to 20 hours, depending on games and scrimmages and classroom sessions, whatever it may be. But you know, being a degree in three student, having seven to eight classes a semester, making sure you your grades stay up, trying to graduate, being in other extracurricular curricular activities that, you know, you're really trying to be involved with and having a social life on top of that. There is no way that you can commit to everything 100 percent. And it's definitely growing on you. And you're an RA, too, right? Sometimes. Yes, I'm also an RA on campus. How does that play into it? You know, at the beginning of uh, the semester, I was actually really scared that, you know, what I would call my room when I'm playing esports is a soccer field for a soccer player. Imagine going to your RA while they're playing a game on the soccer field and asking, like, hey, can you come out me out with this situation? I can't help them out in that situation. Neither can that soccer player if I'm playing in a game. So that was on my mind at the beginning a lot. And it's only happened once. But I gave them my phone number hopefully they can reach me if they need me um on the other side of things i think when you touched about uh social life like a big part for me is that my social life did go away but it got replaced with a new social life like sure we're gamers but we're friends and we talk and we razz each other and it's it's not all formal all the time so my social life now is esports like Everybody in the esports program pretty much knows who I am, and I know everybody there, and that is my social outlet, and um, we all have, like, a common interest. So it sounds like the commitment has not taken away the fun from playing the games. Uh, it definitely has, it actually. Has. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it's a little cyclical. The, the more you play, the worse it feels. Um... But on the other hand, it's still a game. And when you're when you're winning, it's like and you're winning hard. Like there's no chance that they're going to win. You're up 28 to three in the Super Bowl. Falcons joke. Uh, You're going to have more fun on the sidelines. You're going to make more jokes. But when you're losing, it is so demoralizing. So when we caught a couple of losing streaks, like the fun went away. You compare it to to something like the Super Bowl. And what's really interesting is esports is has really in the past few years grown to have a huge following like like advertisers are investing huge amounts of money into the tournaments and stuff. Have you guys been following it and how has that kind of influenced you being here? Um, I know for myself, I'm pretty sure John as well, but. I've definitely been following the scene because for myself, this is something, you know, I want to do in my future. I think there's a niche in the market right now for this up and coming industry. And it would be a shame for anybody that's not passionate about games or, you know, esports to go into it. Right. At least test it out. See if you can get into that field. But I just know advertisements. It's it's crazy. I was doing um, a study last year for one of my classes 
the second highest most watched, you know, entertainment platform right under the Super Bowl was the LCS finals, which just, yeah, it's absolutely crazy, Um, which is the uh, League of Legends finals. That's it was a study done in like 2016. Just crazy to me. So I'm sure it's only grown since then, Mm -hmm. especially with the Super Bowl we just had. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the Super Bowl we just had, I'm not too sure what the numbers were, but I've heard it was very low. So I think the conversation is kind of kind of trying to discredit the things that esports players are doing, saying it's not a real sport, but the numbers are kind of speaking for themselves. What do you guys think about that that conversation and how do you think what you're doing is helping to fight against the stigma of esports? Are esports actually a sport? Are e-athletes actually athletes? And you look at the mental requirements and the dexterity required to perform some of the things. Some players are just inherently better than others mechanically, which would be the ability to move the mouse or click the buttons. While others are more adept at using knowledge. And I think that you see that on the football field. You see that on the soccer field. There are players in football. Look at Tom Brady. He's not the fastest guy on that field by any means. He doesn't have the strongest arm. But on the other hand, he can dominate games with his mind. And that's there are parallels everywhere. The problem is if you label it that we're athletes in esports, Then you have other issues like the pushback from the older generations. It's almost polarizing to label us as athletes. So do you think that the best strategy is to rather than fight against that, to be inclusive within your community, to kind of invite people in rather than calling them out when they call you out? Inclusivity, I definitely I mean, I tell all my friends, even if they're sports fans, whatever they may be, to come hang out, come play some games with us. Games are fun. They're the same thing as sports. But the debate between whether esports is a sport or not, I think the general gamer doesn't really care. We're not we don't call ourselves athletes. We we call ourselves gamers. And if we can generate the same numbers and the same revenue that traditional sports do, it doesn't matter whether we're athletes, whether we're sports. We still are on that level of sports. Now, gaming has always been kind of viewed externally as like a bit of a boys club, which can be said about a lot of places within like the world of technology. However, like we've all heard stories about people being like harassed in chat rooms because of their gender or their race or for other reasons. Even Riot Games, the guys who make League of Legends like a year ago, were taking heat because of some really, really misogynistic workplace sort of ethics. Now, what kind of steps do you guys take within your communities, whether it be on your teams or Sutan? I know you're part of the gaming club. What do you do to make sure that your spaces are inclusive? Um, well, as for um, for gaming club, we were very inclusive. We let, you know, anyone that wants to play games, have fun playing games. That's more of a casual environment, I would say. For esports, there is no restrictions to gender base. Whatever you identify as, we will allow you because it's more based on skill level, right? We're looking for the best players to play. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're female, male, or something other. It We play the best players. Yeah. 
there are female players exist. They, they are fewer in number. And thus, statistically, there's a few like there's less of a chance that they're going to compete at the highest level. It doesn't mean that they can't and it doesn't mean they won't be accepted. And on top of that, if they get into an online lobby and a bunch of guys hear a girl's voice for whatever reason, protected by the guise of the Internet, men tend to berate or just in general be rude and i'm not saying i condone that and i don't think it's right it is just a thing that occurs so if i was in their position i wouldn't want to be on a team with a bunch of guys that were constantly obviously we're a little bit different we're not trying to exclude anyone they wouldn't get that sort of treatment we would know them personally i know that down at becker college they have a female player on their team they're integrated perfectly they have no issues it exists the reason it doesn't exist as much is just because there's a fewer amount of players a lot of kids are hearing about what you're doing and they want to be where you're sitting one day i think it's really good that that you guys have that sort of mentality of inclusive inclusivity for your teams what else do you have to say to to those kids who might be coming to Southern New Hampshire University one day to play esports? I say it doesn't matter who you are, right? I've known people. There's one player on the on our team right now. His um, I won't say his name, but he is a very quiet individual. He doesn't talk much outside of the game. He is very to himself, very introverted. But as soon as he gets into that game lobby, as soon as we're on comms, the five of us, the six of us, he will he's our shot caller he is the one talking the most and he is someone that we look up to for to make those important calls it's crazy how much an individual can change from outside of the game to inside of the game and what we're trying to do at the end of the day is you know make those inside the game calls happen in real life we want him to take those skills that he learns from in the game and use them in his real world experiences so to anyone that may think they're not ready for a team, you might change completely being in a team environment. Do you know a story of something amazing or maybe not so amazing that's happened on campus? Is there anything that you think should be investigated? Or do you know of someone or something that's just awesome and deserves a shout out? Well, the Pemmin Press wants to hear from you. Let us know any stories you think we should cover in our writing, through video, or even here on the podcast at our email, pemimpress at snhu.edu. And also be sure to check out our website at pemimpress.com and our newspapers around campus. And I bet you're probably sick of hearing my voice. Well, we can fix that because this space is up for grabs. If you're interested in advertising with us through our podcast or through any of our other mediums, hit us up at pemmanpress at snhu.edu. The space is open for businesses and for clubs and organizations. Anyway, let's get back to it.
My name is Catherine Lachance, and I am the lead copy editor for the Pemmin Press. I am joined today by the Pemmin Press's rising sports editor, Madison Alexander, and head women's basketball coach, Karen Pinkos. Thank you so much, Madison and Coach Pinkos, for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Appreciate being here. So, Coach Pinkos, the women's basketball team currently holds a 15-9 overall record and a 9-8 conference record. Speak a little bit on the progress of the season up until this point and how you feel your team stands in the Northeast 10. Right now, we're, we're down the stretch here. We have four games remaining. Uh, currently, we're in fifth place in our division. Um, with our record, uh, you know, we were picked preseason fifth overall. Um, so from our peer standpoint, we're exactly where we're supposed to be from our standpoint, um, I'm a little disappointed and I thought we could do a little bit better, but um, we're not that far off. And as I tell our players each day, it's about the process, um, not necessarily, you know, the outcome. And I know we'll get there We've with these these next four games down the stretch are really, really important. Um, but we've been working extremely hard. We've had some great wins. We certainly have had some upsetting losses um, in our eyes and um, we've competed every single game. And I'm proud of the way our team is playing. And I honestly think we're peaking at the right time. So what are your thoughts heading into tomorrow's matchup against Merrimack? Yeah, Merrimack's, uh, they're coming off uh, six wins in a row right now. So um, they're going to have a lot of confidence coming into our gym. You know, we battled with them back in November, which seems ages ago. Um, it came down to, you know, the last two or three minutes. Um, they always, it's always a very competitive game. It's also the last time we're going to be playing them um, as they're moving on to Division One next year. Um, but our kids are fired up about being home again. I, I feel like we play a lot better at home. We shoot better. Um, and certainly, um, you know, it could be a special day tomorrow uh, for one of our players, Kylie Lorenzen. Speaking of really big events at the Stansfero Fieldhouse, last Saturday was the 14th annual Pink Day event hosted by Women's Basketball. I know we spoke to you prior to the event. Before our listeners who may not know too much about the event, what is the history behind Pink Day and why has it become such a widely recognized tradition at the university? Yeah, it's a, it's a very special day. Pink Day has been going on for 14 years for us uh, since I've been here. Um, it started back with uh, the late Kay Yao, who was a former NC State coach um, who passed away of breast cancer and was trying to start um, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association to um, get together and try to uh, fundraise for uh, breast cancer awareness and um, hopefully someday find a cure. And so it started out, I believe, as Think Pink, and then it changed a couple of times, and now it's Play for K. We kind of have kept ours as Penman Pink Day, just more recognition locally um, than a national level. Um, it started out for us probably, you know, 30, 40 people. Um, and then this past Saturday, we had over 700 people at the game. Over the past 14 years, we've raised over $10,000. Um, we don't have our final count yet as T-shirt sales are still coming in and I do recognize you have yours on, so thank you for wearing that. <laughs> You're welcome. And supporting our program. Um, you know, some of the charities that we do donate to locally are CMC Breast Care Center, um, which has been really, really good to us this past game. We actually had uh, the surgeon, Dr. Ryan, come and be one of our honorary starters. And it's been a partnership with them. Um, and it's for us, it's been about just bringing the university and the local community together um, and not only raise awareness um, but I think just the power of pink um, in one area um, is pretty cool. It's very emotional at times, too. Um, there's players on our own team that have relatives um, that have either had cancer or are currently fighting cancer. Um, we all probably know somebody who's passed away of cancer. 
Um, and whether that's breast cancer or any kind of cancer, I'll be honest with you, cancer sucks. Sorry for saying that on air, but um, it's just one of the things that we're passionate about trying to find a way to get a care. And the power of pink has been really, really cool within our university. And so many people have been getting involved and the growth is in my eyes, just um, it's unbelievable. And I'm really, really grateful for so many people to uh, help us out. So with all of the emotion of the team behind Pink Day, how do you think it kind of relates to the audience and uh, the people supporting the team, especially after the team captured that pretty tight one against Stonehill? Yeah, that's a great question. And we talk about a lot, you know, it's a game, it's a game of basketball. And there's people out there that um, it's not really a game of life, but fighting for their lives, um, going against breast cancer. And, you know, when you put on that pink uniform, you're thinking of other people, not really yourselves. And that's one thing I love about our team is they have put other people first, um, especially in that game. You saw that there was an extra fight. And, you know, we had two people that were interviewed um, before where Gianna Russell's mother um, is a past survivor and Kylie Lorenzen's aunt um, is a survivor. So um, it's been really, really, there's a lot of passion um, and power together to fight for that game specifically. Something that our listeners want to know more about is the career of Kylie Lorenzen. She is less than 50 points away from earning the top spot for both SNHU's most points scored in a career and most rebounds earned in a career. With four more games to go in the season, do you think she will surpass the current title holders and earn the top spot? I do. She's actually now 14 points away for, she had 26 the other night, uh, so she's 14 points away um, and could do it tomorrow. Um, I don't want to jinx her or really talk about it to her personally. Um, it's there. We all know it. Um, but it's she's had an extraordinary career, um, and she got here, at, you know, obviously as a freshman. as just an incredible athlete, and we were. she's very gifted as an athlete and has developed into a very, very, very good basketball player. Um, but what's to me is even better than that is the type of person she is. She could care less about this stuff. She just wants to win and puts the team first. So, um, you know, I'm sure it's out there for her, but she, uh, neither her or myself, talk about it with each other um, because I know how important the team win is. So she's uh, 14 for, um, for scoring, and I believe she's 35 away from the rebounding record. So I am hoping that she does get both. It'd be quite an honor for her. Everybody. Welcome to the movie segment of the Pippin Press Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Sam. I am Spencer. I'm your homegirl, Jamie. And we're going to be talking about the new Hellboy trailer. Yes. <laughs> really? I like that it's, it's like a bit more tonally upbeat, but first of all, I feel like Ron Perlman is the only Hellboy in my heart, and this mm-hmm. one... Who who plays this? I don't know. That I dude from um, he's played Stranger, Thanos, right? Stranger Danger. Yeah, he's the police officer. I don't know the name. Yeah, uh, he yeah Stranger in uh, Stranger, Stranger Things, Things, right? Yeah, the like dad or whatever. Oh, the cop yes, guy. yes, yes, the, yes, yeah, yes. which is uh, weird. But um, he's really stick thin, and that's an issue with me. Yeah, that's one of my issues. Where is my Hellboy three? Where are those Hellboy babies? Oh yeah, I was promised babies on the last film. We what? all were. wait. There were babies in the last <laughs> film. Yeah. Okay. So in the last film with the, of Hellboy, uh, what was the girl's name? The fire Irrelevant. Girl? She was just a love interest. Just call her love interest. The love, love interest, interest of Hellboy was TM. pregnant with two babies. 
And there was supposed to be a third movie that explained to you, like, all the flashbacks that he had on, like, not flashback, Would but, like... Would the babies be buff? No, like, predictions that were, like, about him. I hope they'd be at least pink. But, yeah. So we were supposed to be having a third one, but, like, the project got canceled. And they were like, yeah, we're gonna start all over. And, yeah. So we were supposed to be having two babies, and they were gonna be telling, like, the story about, like, the whole Hellboy purpose in our world. But that never happened. So it was going to be like that. Uh, my problem with the trailer was, I think, I really think they're, they're trying to go for a Marvel vibe with all those jokes. It's like, oh, ha ha, it's a grandma with a shotgun. How wacky and crazy is that? Also, who's this side chick? I- like, what is she about? She seems really moody. And like, I really loved how Abe and Hellboy played off of each oh, other because they're, they're so different yet they play so well together and they fill in each other's gaps hellboy was like i'm going in for the battle he's all about like force like beating stuff up and abe is like yo i'm, I'm a thinker i'm, yeah. I'm a sensitive guy i feel mm. a lot of things and like they differed on pretty much ev- every level blue like red. blue and red uh fire and water just like calm and just like rage yeah. there yeah. was so much there was the one I'm gonna go into battle, and then there was one who's like, "No, let's like chill out and think about think this." Think about this. It was just all of that played nice, so nicely. Abe, Abe. And also, Abe was just a freaking snack. Let's be no, honest. He was, Ooh, Abe. He was oh. a snack fish he boy. Was the voice of reason, which was needed, like on the team, and a bit of a moral guidance yes, for for Hellboy. Yeah, because if you just have big old Smash Boy that wants to go and beat everything, it's gonna be kind of boring because he's just gonna be mm. smashing everything. And also Guillermo del Toro. Oh we my all God. know. Don't even get me. But we also that. all know that he has a thing for like swamp creatures oh, yeah. and fishmen, I mean, and like he's, oh, yes, he's he had does. it. Like literally, I've even saw a short film that. It's essentially Shape of Water, but it's, silent film and like in the universe, in like the future, whatever. But he just like latches on to that kind of character he's and he's really fascinated he's with mine. that. It's amazing. And also his level of campiness, like yeah. he just has a way with his films. He adds oh, yes. this just style that's so yes. quintessentially Guillermo yes. del Toro. Mm. And I feel like it really did fit especially with like the creature design like Guillermo del Toro and his creatures oh my god oh my god and like this is the perfect kind of movie to showcase Guillermo del Toro's skill and he's shown it in the films and it's just like I'm not ready to be disappointed by the creature design here I mean I don't I don't understand what the process of going through why 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 did they make a whole new series. Why didn't they just do the third movie? Like, what? Probably was too old. No one cared yeah. about it. They're anymore. like, we're no, gonna no, have I to reboot that. this because no one's gonna know what it is. That's probably what they thought. But everybody, everybody voice that has the internet voicing their opinions will tell you, no, we want in the third Hellboy movie. We don't want whatever this is. And it has to be directed by Ian. And it has to be played by um. I'm sorry, who was the actor that Ron played? Ron Perlman. Yeah, him. He's a god good. of a man. Because. Whatever his name is, who's playing him now, Mister Stranger Things man, Mister Police, Mister Police, Mister Stranger Things man. He just doesn't sound right in the role. Also, his special effects makeup looks kind of wonky. It looked pretty I'm, bad. I'm not about it. He doesn't look like Hellboy. Okay, so with that, I'm not, like I I'm all for it. Like everything you and Jamie said. Like yes, I I honestly do not look forward to this movie. However, 
I actually want to, like, praise their difference with the, with the Guillermo del Toro's movie. Because they're making Hellboy less appealing than he is for, with Guillermo del Toro. Because I think that's what they're going for with this new, the, with this new design they have. He's definitely him. more gaunt. And I feel like, at least in the face, he might match the comic version yeah, I think that's a what little they're bit going more. For. I think that's the, the whole purpose of, the, of this film. Matching the style of the comic, which let's we have to give it to them. They like what I've seen in the trailers. They have done good so far. I don't know general movie, but I think that's what they're going for, which is different from Guillermo del Toro. Which, by the way, I respect a lot. Like he is my superhero and everything. I love Guillermo del Toro. I will prefer watching Guillermo del Toro's movie ten times more than I would. But I gotta recognize that if they, this is the path that they're looking to go to, like follow the comics, then I gotta give it to them. They're doing a good job with it. Well, let's 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 go off that for a second. If they're trying to stay true to the comics, why not make an animated Hellboy film? Wouldn't that be awesome? Not a lot of people go to see yeah, animated no. Yeah, I was going to say, people don't see animated films as much as they do. And but, I mean, Spider-Verse was a, like, a one-off, but, but that was an amazing film. But like most of the time, yeah. people want live action. And a lot of uh, people think that animation equals children's movies. Yeah. But the thing is, that's kind of breaking out of the norm, especially with Spider-Verse. But that was that... one instance. But, and also Spider-Verse was instance. very unique with its style. It wasn't It wasn't just like, 2D, it was also 3D. I mean, I've seen a ton of animators do a Hellboy animations, and my God, they're amazing. I'm going to say the reason why this film is not going to be happening animated is because I want to say I am not sure I don't have the actual rates, but I'm going to say it's way more time-consuming and money making an animation than making a real-life action film. And also, Hellboy is a very different demographic yes. than Spider-Man of course. and all that. Spider-Man is very much more catered towards a younger demographic, and I don't feel like... I feel like Hellboy is a much older, more mature demographic, and I don't mm-hmm. know how well that would translate yeah. over to animation. I, yeah. I think I think it would be awesome. I, I'd really like to see him try it at some point. Oh, yeah, definitely be interesting. I think we can all, like, agree on this, like, our discussion that, like, maybe we're, we're sticking with the older version, but I think it wouldn't hurt to give it a try. Kind of, like, I know at the end I'm going to be disappointed, but I wouldn't hurt to give it a try. I just think it's going to lack all of the creativity and the robustness of Guillermo del Toro's yes. vision. Yeah, that that's going to hurt not to see that vision being respected. Because, again, he's talented as, like... A lot, but yeah. Comic, uh, kind of, like, faithful to the comic. I mean, I never really saw the original Hellboy movie or anything. I'm kind of just here, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, that looks interesting, but I also thought his makeup looked pretty pretty garbo. But, uh, like, I'd be interested to, to see it, I guess, but, like... For me, I feel that one place that those movies really succeeded was in its design and world building aspect and how you really felt like oh there's so much to this and like there was so much you could go into it and i'm concerned that we're not going to have that same Mm -hmm. feeling of like this is some world i could really explore and feel and like it was really thought well through i don't think we're gonna get that and i think that's something that really distinguished hellboy with the animals yeah for me i really hope to get the comedy right because for hellboy 
it's a very specific type of comedy. Snarky boy. Yeah. Um, and if they just try to copy what Marvel's doing with their movies, I don't think they're going to get the comedy right. So that's what I'm hoping to see yeah. out of this movie. But yeah, that's our that's our 10-minute little discussion on Hellboy. I hope you all enjoyed it. Hey, it's me again. And that about wraps up episode two of What's New. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you for your support. It really means a lot to us. If you want to weigh in on any of the things we just talked about in this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in a recording, and we might even include it on a future episode. Find us on social media at Pemmin Press, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What's Snoo is produced in collaboration between the Pemmin Press and Radio Snoo. What's Snoo is produced by Nick Klotz and Joe Luttrudello. This episode was edited by Nick Klotz, Joe Luttrudello, and Eli Hark. What's New is made possible thanks to funding from the SNHU Student Government Association. And thank you so much to all guests and all Pem Press staff and Radio Snoo staff who appeared on this episode. 